Good morning and welcome to Faith and Money with Keith Conley. I'm a sidekick, a sidekick for these conversations. My name is Jeffrey Stevens. What we're going to do is just sit down with Keith Conley once a week. He's a certified financial planner and certified kingdom advisor. And we're just going to discuss how Christians should do not only money, but planning for the future and also helping to eliminate debt. So we're starting out this week with allowing Keith to introduce himself and give us a little bit of his background, and then we get started with today's discussions. Go ahead, Keith. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning. Uh, my name is Keith Conley. I am a certified financial planner and certified kingdom advisor. I live in Orange County, California, uh, and I kind of got involved with financial planning uh, accidentally uh, or providentially, depending on your point of view, I suppose. Uh, I was a minister in some churches for several years and and just had a lot of, of folks coming to me asking questions about money, uh, which sent me on a journey to learn about money. Uh, and then several years later, uh, I, I actually was employed by the state of Pennsylvania for the largest federal student loan servicer in the country called FedLoan. And I was consulting student loan borrowers, uh, which just really... Uh, accelerated my interest in financial planning, but I, I really wanted to do financial planning from a distinctly biblical perspective, uh, which led me to um, achieving both the the certified financial planner, which is the standard of excellence within the financial planning community, but also the certified kingdom advisor requirement. The certified kingdom advisor is a little bit less well known. Uh, we are an organization of Christians who are trained to bring biblical advice to our clients, we're, a, we're financial advisors, accountants, insurance agents, and estate planning attorneys. Uh, and it's just really a tremendous program. They have a conference every year in Orlando. We have monthly meetings. I'm actually going to the August meeting uh, this afternoon. Uh, and we, we talk about how to implement uh, biblical teaching on money, wealth, generosity uh, with our clients. And so, you know, this podcast is really going to be fleshing out a lot of the biblical data on what it means to be a good steward and follower of Christ with our wealth. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't, I didn't start taking the Christian faith seriously to, until I was already an adult. But it's like that. This is the one area no one wanted to talk about. All we, all I knew was to give God ten percent every week, and as long as I did that, I was good. I was doing money the way the Bible said. So this is something I I think the majority of especially young adult Christians, this is something they can definitely yeah. benefit from. Yeah, well, in the future, we should do uh, a talk on, on tithing and, and giving, because that's even a, a big topic in of itself, whether we're required to give 10% or not. Yes, yep, and I, that, that's something I definitely look, look forward to being a part of. So let's go ahead and just for time restraints, I know you've got a busy afternoon. Let's get started with this morning's episode. It's going to basically be a biblical overview of debt. And let's, let's just start it off right from the get-go. Is it wrong for Christians to be in debt? You know, I wouldn't say that it's wrong for Christians to be in debt, but with like most of life, it, it kind of depends. Uh is it wrong for Christians to have debt? Uh, 
And I would say that the biblical teaching is quite clear that no, debt is not always wrong. With that being said, uh, you know, there's a lot more questions that come up, like, you know, why is the person in debt? Uh, are they in debt because they're not trusting in the Lord for their provisions? Are they going into debt for the wrong type of things? Uh, and, you know, clearly the, the scriptures have standards for people who are lenders as well as borrowers. Uh, it says things, you know, like the, the borrower is the slave to the lender. Uh, and so the scriptures are quite clear that while debt is not prohibited, there's a lot of warnings about the the danger of wealth or of debt, excuse me. Uh, and if we are taking too much debt and we're going into debt for the wrong reasons, then we could be um, going against, you know, the word of God and, and, and sinning. But I think it's really dangerous how some influences within the church uh, with some seminars really bind people's consciences to say that debt is always wrong. I think it's fantastic that there are programs out there helping people to get out of debt, change their mindset, but having a mortgage or having some other certain types of debt is not always necessarily wrong. Yeah, this this can kind of be touchy because I, me, myself personally, I am huge on not only discipleship, but also mentorship. I, I still, <laughs> 10 years in the faithfully following Jesus, mentors are a huge part of my life. But just because someone's a mentor doesn't mean they have sound advice to give on money. And that, that can be hard where when you respect someone, but you know what they're saying is wrong, or at least maybe not wrong, but doesn't line up with the Bible, and it can be difficult, and this has got to be extremely touching with finances. Right. Well, you know, it, it's very dangerous to bind people's consciences where the Word of God is silent, and, you know, and, and it, it's really dependent on each individual and, and how they're, they're built. Uh, and how they they operate and their mindset. You know, for some people, having a credit card could be a problem because they spend too much and they're not able to pay it off and they're paying excessive interest, right? But to say that it's sinful for you to have a credit card, show me the Bible verse that says that. It, it, exactly. exactly. And if, and if I'm using the credit card and I'm paying it off every month, then there's not a problem there. Yeah, I, I, of course, I have by no means anywhere close to your education and knowledge, but I'm starting to see as someone myself who's trying to repair some credit issues, where having a credit card can be very valuable and can be a great way of reestablishing credit if it's done correctly. Yeah, I mean, debt is never ideal, uh, but... You know, a lot of people go into debt because of life circumstances. Some of the most uh, frustrating uh, and and life altering debt is medical debt. If yes. your if your two year old child has leukemia or you develop breast cancer uh, and you're unable to work or or you have high medical bills, you're not going to say no. I'm not going to go in debt because 
that's sinful, you're going to take care of your child or, or your own health. Yes, exactly. Yes. And all I meant when I said what I did was like, you know, I, from time to time, normally what I try to do is do it three times a month. Yeah. Use a credit card to fill up the gas tank. And I know I can pay that off 100%. Exactly. The bill comes and then in the long run that establishes yeah. better credit. Yeah, well, you know, for from my perspective as an advisor, my goal is to help prepare people so that they can avoid that. And you know, and I'm not an advisor who shames my clients or 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 guilts them because of what's happened in the past. My job is to help people move forward and be better moving forward. Yes, and I think there definitely needs to be more of that. I know just from conversations with me personally, you're not all, you're not trying to you're not trying to get of course you've got bills to pay but you're not trying to just make money you care about people and their future especially with a biblical standpoint and talking more about the Bible with this I was curious what about specifically Romans chapter 13 verse 8 which says oh no one anything except to love one another for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So how does this, I'm sure there are several other verses similar, but specifically this one tie into Christian death. Yeah, well, a lot of people use this as the as the verse they like to say, see, it's wrong for us to be in debt. We should just love one another. We shouldn't be in debt. Uh, and and I'm I'm not so sure that I would draw that hard and fast conclusion with this verse. Uh, if you look at the at the overall context of of Paul's discussion there in Romans 13, uh, he begins Romans 13 talking about uh, our the Christians' obligation to human authorities, to to government authorities, to paying taxes, and then you know here in, in verse eight he's narrowing um, our obligation uh, to show honor to our neighbors and how we relate to relate to one another, um, and. You know, it, it it's not directly talking about money. You know, it does say oh, uh, but it's talking about our attitude and our behavior and our interactions with one another rather than money. And if you uh you could apply this to finances in that if I loan you money or someone loans you money, you should be paying on time. Uh, if you're the lender, you shouldn't be, you, you know, doing usury or excessive interest uh, and pay your debt in full for if you're borrowing money. Um, but the, it's not directly talking about debt. Uh, and and so, you know, our obligation is love, not just not taking debt. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a problem in general. I think the Bible was can be in not even purposely but taken out of context so easily nowadays especially in today's world that it's got to make things difficult someone newer to the christian faith trying to do money the way god tells us to right so just i guess there would be some of course there's gonna be facts in this but in your opinion is there such thing as quote-unquote good debt you know, a lot of people are going to be surprised when I say I think there is such a thing as good in debt. Uh, and, you know, there's good debt and there's bad debt. And, you know, generally speaking, the 
the standard that we should be evaluating for good debt versus bad debt is depreciating assets versus appreciating assets. Basically, what that means is uh, assets or or property that you're that go down in value or consumed versus that which will increase in value. You know, a depreciating asset is, you know, consumer debt. If I'm financing a steak dinner at the Outback Steakhouse, that's not a great deal. You know, you're financing a $100, you know, meal at 20% interest. That's not a good deal. Or, you know, more commonly, you know, we think of like cars. Cars drop in value the minute you take them off uh, the the lot, Uh, you know. But does that mean that you should never finance a car? Again, you know, with, with car debt, depending on, on your credit, that could, it's not ideal debt, but if you can get a relatively low interest rate, that might be, you know, at your stage of life where you're needing to um, finance a car. And, and that's okay. My family has financed cars and we've bought cars for cash. Um, but, you know, a lot of credit card debt and uh, just consumer debt is what we would consider bad debt. It, it's depreciating assets. It's high interest rates. And, you know, if I could have an investment that that guaranteed, you know, 20 percent return, that would be a good deal. But instead, yeah. debt is, you know, you're paying someone else 20 percent. So they're making a lot of money off of that. Um you know, a good debt would be a mortgage. People are way gung ho about paying off their mortgage. And, you know, interest rates have come up here this year, but they're still historically low. Uh, and, you know, if I were able to refinance our house last year at two and a half percent, I'm going to keep that mortgage as long as possible because the value of that house over time is going to continue to go up. And, to pay that off for a lot of people, you know, and I live in Southern California where houses in oh, Orange geez. County are, <laughs> are, you know, a three bedroom, two bath house with a postage stamp lot are regularly going for $800,000. And it's not easy for most people to pay that off. But for me to rent, would mean that I'm guaranteed to lose 100% of my money because every money dollar I pay every month to my landlord goes to the landlord. Where if I'm buying a house and I'm paying that mortgage every month at two and a half percent and I'm paying the minimum payment and then I'm building wealth in other places, I'm gonna overall be better off because if I if I have a mortgage and I still have that mortgage in retirement, I'll have wealth to make that monthly payment. And as my income grows, that monthly payment is going to become a smaller and smaller part of my uh, income. Yeah. Now, I'm real curious just because I'm thinking back when I was younger. I I know a lot of what you do, not all, not only what you do, but a lot of it focuses on student debt. And I realize people (laughs) can be into their 40s and 50s and have student loans still. But for the recently college graduate, let's say 22 to 25 years old, who obviously they're trying to establish a career. Maybe they're not really 
ready to buy more, have a mortgage yet, but what are some things they, that age group specifically can do to be focused more on good debt instead of bad debt? Yeah, I mean, student loans, it, the, the question is, is that bad debt or good debt? And I hate to give the legal answer here, but it, it, it kind of depends. Uh, you know, student loan debt can be good debt, but it also could be bad debt. And and I really think the the where the rubber meets the road on that is how much are you taking in, in student loan debt and what kind of, of career or vocation and income is that going to prepare you for? College students very often are very unfocused. They aren't really sure what they're going to do, and they just take these random classes that don't you know, prepare them for a viable career, and they graduate with $100,000 of student loan debt. Uh, and then they wonder why they can't ever pay them off when they're making, you know, $40,000 a year as in some, you know, low paying vocation, or maybe they're not even working. Uh, so my, my advice to families and to young people preparing for college or in college is take as little debt as possible, but make sure that there's a purpose to the debt and an end goal and purpose in mind for when you graduate. Um, if if you can go to community college for two years, pay cash for that, uh, and then transfer to a two-year school, that's ideal. Uh, and you know, a lot of my clients are in or or have you know graduated from law school or or medical school, and a lot of times that's very intense. It's so intense that they're unable to really work, and 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 so they do take out a lot of student loan debt. Uh, you know, I, but I've seen people who have had a very manageable student loan debt with a great career. And I've seen people with an enormous amount of student loan debt with a good career, but it's just so oppressive that it, it, they, they feel enslaved to that loan and, and they're unable to do things like start a family or buy a home, um, or do some other type of, of investment so that they can build wealth. So if, if they can manage the student loan debt with the career that they're preparing for, then I'm all for it. But you really have to be extremely uh, judicious and wise in taking up that student loan debt. Yeah, I still, I have friends mid-30s. I, I was able to keep mine under control for the most part because of scholarships, but I have friends who are even upper 30s and I mean, their life is dominated by student loans yeah. right now. I'm working with a couple right now. He's a resident physician and his wife is a physician assistant. And their combined student loan balance is $870,000. That's out of college, you know, almost a million dollars. I could not even fathom that. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and, and to be fair, Jeff, that's not even the biggest I've ever seen. Yeah, and I'm sure you're talking about extensive education and all that. So I, yeah. I'm sure, but I just but, but even said, you know, that that that's that eight hundred and seventy thousand dollar couple, that's excessive. That's unnecessary. I, I would hope so, or we're gonna just stop having doctors in positions. <laughs> so but now just in case, you know, because I know like before I started addressing money myself. 
I knew there was an issue. I just, I wasn't ready to take on it yet. And for anyone who might be thinking, hey, you know what? There's some red flags. I might be getting borderline post out of control here. How would you tell someone that they know when too much debt's too much? I mean, what are some huge red flags for you? Yeah. Well, you know, just yesterday I was talking with one of my cl um, closest friends who's also a client, and he and his wife are, are considering buying a home here in Southern California. Um, and they have, you know, very little student loan debt left and and they have no other debt. Uh, and, and so, you know, they're trying to buy a home here in Southern California, which is very hard to do just because of the cost. But what they're thinking is that, you know, their uh, mortgage payment, which is going to include, you know, the principal, you know, the cost of the house, the interest, the the property taxes. Uh, and the mortgage insurance, as well as the um, homeowner's insurance, that's going to cost up to, a, they're, at, they're estimating about 35% of their income. And, you know, that's a, that's a little bit high. Uh, but, you know, here in, in, in my financial planning world, we talk about housing ratios. And there's, okay. there's two of them. Uh, the housing ratio number one is, you know, how how much does is a healthy amount for that house payment that that considers that principal interest, uh, you know, the homeowners, the taxes, and the insurance. That should, on average, be about twenty eight percent of your net monthly income. And so that you know, if if you're Housing ratio one is about 28% or below, you're in a good place. But when we look at housing ratio number two, that, that includes housing ratio number one plus all other debt. So that's your car loans, your student loans, your credit cards, whatever other kind of debt you have. And that should be no more on average about 36% of your net income. So in, in my client's situation, they have very little other debt. And so their housing ratio one is, is pretty high, but because they don't really have any other debt, their housing ratio two is a little on the lower side. Yeah, so that's why some things you just mentioned, paying cash for a car instead of financing and all that, all that, you know, it all really boils down to what do you want to spend your money on? Do you want right. a nice home? Do you want a nice car? Yeah. The other thing about debt is that, you know, debt really prevents you from doing other things. And and if you have too much debt, uh, you know, things are going to happen, especially if you're a homeowner. You know, the water heater is going to go out. You're going to have a leaky roof. The um, You're going to have to redo the floors. You're... Your toilet or tub is going to overflow because your three-year-old turned on the water. I mean, you know, all, anything could really happen that is going to be an unplanned major expense. And there's just millions of Americans in this country who could not pay cash for an unplanned expense of at least $1,000. And that's really scary. Yes. Okay. Now, I, I just, and I've been, I've been let my mind drift because I'm li listening to you talk here. And I'm just curious, I realize you're a financial advisor, not a relationship advisor. 
but for someone who knows they're going to be getting married soon or that potential there, it maybe sounds judgmental, maybe it doesn't, but it obviously matters. How important is your potential spouse's yeah. death in their history? I mean, because if I'm not mistaken, when you get married, you become part of that debt. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could potentially, you know, it's funny you say that, Jeff, because very much of what I do is relationship based and, and management. Um, people, when I tell them my background and how I became a financial advisor, they're surprised. and They think it's like so drastically different. And they're really surprised when I tell them it's actually quite similar. Yes, I deal a little bit more with money investments than I did as a pastor, but a lot of what I do is discipleship and 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 pastoral counseling to help people align their money. And I'm actually doing a seminar on Zoom here in September on uh, it's geared for pastors and church leaders. And I'll be doing the seminar on uh, premarital counseling. And now so how could, how could someone who doesn't know you, how could they register for that? Well, I'll have it on my sub stack, but they can also um, reach out to me through LinkedIn. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and before we end the show, I'll give you a chance to give all the details on all that. And Excellent. Exactly how people can get in touch with you. Um, so that that's, that's just pretty much the two different ratio types and ones you discussed one includes the house and then one includes yeah. everything i mean there's other ratios but that's really the best way to know starting out whether or not you have too much debt okay so what what if someone takes time to figure all this up and they decide hey you know what i i've got to do something right now or this can get out of control what advice do you have for someone who wants to pay off their debt yeah, I mean, I, I think that there are multiple ways to pay off your debt. Um, I have my criticisms of, of Dave Ramsey and, and Financial Peace University, yep. but I really believe that this is really one place where Dave does a fantastic job. Um, with that being said, I don't I I I don't think that paying off your debt just has to be one way. There's multiple ways to do it. I really like the snowball method, at least starting out there, which is you pay off your smallest debt first and then use that payment to pay off your next smallest. It's Those psychological victories are really important. And as that payment grows, you'll be able to pay off your, your bigger debts a bit more quickly. Uh, but what I like to do is really come up with a plan, put everything on paper, list all of your debts, list a date that you want to pay off each debt, put it on the, the refrigerator and come up with a plan and be, and be very consistent and very dogmatic about paying those debts off. Really, really just have it in your gut and, and just be driven to pay that off. And what I like to tell people is, hey, when you get some traction with the snowball, let's switch from the snowball method 
to start paying the, the debt with the highest interest because the snowball method is great psychologically. It's great to get you started. You get those small wins and it and it builds from there. But mathematically speaking, paying off the higher interest rate is far better. And so what I like to do is I like to start with the snowball because it's very hard to get traction when your cash flow is so limited, right? Yeah. But but after a while, let's switch to the highest interest rate. Um, and I, I what I tell people is track your progress. Track your uh, track how soon you're going to pay off each debt and keep track of it. Put it on paper. Get those Excel spreadsheets up. Uh, and if you need to, I would encourage folks to hire a, bit, a financial coach. Now, I'm not a financial coach. I'm a financial advisor, but I knew I know some financial coaches who will help you walk through the process of paying off the debt. And, there, and a good financial coach will also help you change your mindset and your behaviors with money because we all have a relationship with money. And sometimes it controls us and we need to change our mindset so that we're controlling our money because when we're in debt, it tells us what to do. It tells us where our money is going to go. And we need to change not just our our uh, our actions, but we need to change our mindset with money and our relationship with money and reorient that with the word of God. Uh, you know, God has created us to flourish. God has called us to have dominion and to be his His image bearers in this world. We are to, you know, grow a family. We are to have businesses. We are to do good works in this world, not for our salvation, of course, but God has called us to be his image bearers to reign over this world. And if the world is reigning over us through our debt, we're not living in God's best. And so, you know, my advice is, you know, again, come up with the plan, track it. Uh, and if you need to get a financial coach, they're well worth their money. At least a good one is. And if now, you need and if you need a financial coach, reach out to me through LinkedIn and, and I'll and I'll make some introductions. OK, well, I just I'm curious because. Like th those are all fantastic ideas and there's stuff we do their activities, their actions we take part in. But I think as someone who's worked on my credit and building better finances, I mean, it's not just all stuff I do. There, there's got to be some change inside of me. Correct. Or I'm going to build up a better credit score and then go out and celebrate and ruin it. So right. Right. Uh, what, yeah. what kind of insight change would you see? would you say a person should be looking for well well jesus in matthew 6 says that we can't both have god and money as our master and i've and i've talked about this a lot and written about this a lot in the past and and i, I really love that verse you can't have both god and money as your master but what does jesus not say he doesn't say he, he doesn't have them both he, he does. Well, he doesn't have them both for a master. Correct. Correct. Okay. So, so God <laughs> is my master, but I'm the master of my money. Exactly. That's very I, well put. When I am swamped and overburdened and overwhelmed with debt, 
I already know where my money's going. But if I'm the master of my money, I tell it where to go. And if my heart is flowing in contentment and gratitude and love for God, my money is going to reflect the holiness of God and, and, and what it means to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that involves, you know, investing, generosity, um, legacy building. These are all biblical concepts that we'll talk about in future episodes. Okay. Uh, just, you know what, if someone is listening and they've heard everything you've had to say, and they know they've got to make drastic changes to how they live and what they do with their money, and they are faithful followers of Jesus Christ, what would you recommend? Um, how could they just start making simple changes to their prayer life to start reinforcing some of exactly what you just said? How could someone pray? Obviously, the answer isn't pray. You hit the lottery. <laughs> so, I mean, how would you disciple somebody into going into this? I really think that the key to flourishing in, in, in this life filled with so much darkness and sin and misery is gratitude. We thank God for who he is, what he has done, and what he has provided us with, you know, obviously we start with, you know, the the sacrifice and, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us life abundantly. Uh, and when we live a life of gratitude and we're able to see the things that God has done for us, despite our, our disobedience and our sin, that that is really the key to changing our whole mindset. Okay, that's a great point. Yeah, it's just when you wake up, well, I know me personally, I shouldn't say we or they, but me, when I wake up grateful, I have a lot better day. So that, that makes sense. Right. Okay, well, is, can you think of anything you want to add real quick about Christian debt in general? Yeah, well, you know, uh, it, it, Debt is handled differently for people who are different ages. You know, it's different for a 20-year-old versus a 60-year-old. Um, and, you know, it can. there are different ways to handle it. And I would be very careful uh, on who you trust on these matters. There's a lot of people out there who are debt consolidators or promise to do this or that for you. And I would urge you, if you're if you're finding yourself getting promises uh, to to consolidate your debt or remove your debt, I'm not saying that it's entirely impossible, but I would be very careful on who you trust. There's some third party uh, Christian companies out there that will be debt um, specialists. I have a really dear friend who's a credit repair specialist and, and a debt settlement specialist. Um, these are the kind of people that I would trust, but there's a lot of people who will buy your debt um, and, and try to sell you some service and, and, and they're just not always very effective and, and they may be expensive or even a scam. So uh, if it's 
sounds too good to be true, I would ask someone else what they think and get someone else's input. That, that is great advice. You can never go wrong with too much discernment. So, but yeah, uh, no one should have to walk through this alone. Exactly. That that does nothing but prolongs the pain and suffering. So, yeah. well, that is a wrap for today's episode. The Substack page, Keith's con, uh, Substack page, is entitled. Faith and Money, we will have a podcast episode published every morning, and there will also be a blog post published every Wednesday that will yeah. give a general reflection of the episode yeah. and really touch on one, yeah. one special feature. But yeah. how else, other than Substack, you said LinkedIn. How do people find you on LinkedIn? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. You can just look me up, Keith Conley, Certified Financial Planner. Uh, I operate in Orange County. I should be pretty easy to find. If you're not on LinkedIn, uh, you can reach out to me on uh, Facebook um, or you can email me at kconley at onesco, O-N-E-S-C-O dot net. Uh, my phone number is 949-438-0397. And just a minor correction, Jeff, we're going to have a uh, the uh, the podcast listed on on monday mornings monday, not uh, not every morning I, I thought i said every monday morning i might have said it too quickly <laughs> every monday morning every monday morning and then every wednesday the blog post will be and if if something you've heard today is picked with you or maybe you're a parent or a friend just you know someone else who really needs to hear what what was discussed today Please share this episode with them and put it all over your social media pages. We're looking to grow our Keith Substack page. And one thing you would notice with him on Substack, he would not, of course, you have to subscribe to get the content in your email inbox, but you will never be asked to donate or paying subscription. It is all yeah. free content. Yeah, yeah. The goal is to keep this accessible and and to really minister to people and 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 give them some biblical teaching on wealth. Great. Well, it's um, it, it was a lot of fun today. I definitely took some notes and learned a few things. So I guess until next week, we will talk to everyone next Monday. All right. Hey, thanks, you, Jeff. Yes, sir. God bless.